Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the official free podcast for TheBarkBoard.com. Your one-stop shop for all your Fresno State recruiting news. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Lucio Rique, and being joined by the publisher, Mr. Jackson Moore. Jackson, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Lucio. Uh, You know, we're we're unbiased reporters, but you can't help but feel a little better after seeing how uh, excited the Fresno State Red Wave was on Saturday, how excited the players were that, you know, you see through recruiting process and interview all year long, and you can't help but feel a little bit better after a a exciting win than a heartbreaking loss. Yeah, we're supposed to be unbiased, but, you know, that was that was enjoy. Uh, I enjoyed every minute of that (laughs) watching that game. Um, but you know, uh, it was, it was a great experience. We, we showed up there. Uh, Jackson showed up the night before because he was over at Calabasas, uh, checking out a recruit over there. But, uh, we ended up meeting up over at a uh, tailgate that was put on by some of our, uh, our bark board followers and Jackson, what a spread. That was, was mm. some great food there, wasn't it? I mean, uh, Very what, good. what more can you ask for? I mean, there was food, there was great company. And we just wish there was a whole lot more Barkboard followers there. Uh, it would have been great to see a lot more faces there, but we got to make sure that next time there's a, a, a tailgate going on, we try and get some more of these uh, these fans out there, don't we? Oh, yeah. Big thanks to Casey and Dirk and their family. They put on a, a great tailgate, lots of tasty food and good talks about the dogs. Had a few other people join in. So that was cool. But uh yeah, and especially to do it on the road, <laughs> that, that makes it a little tougher. Uh, uh, had a few local Southern Cal Bulldog fans that, that made it, so that was a little bit easier for them. But uh, yeah, we'll be back at it at Bulldog Stadium in two weeks, where Steve and Jill, our good friends, will be. Uh, they're planning on putting on our tailgate again for the, through the rest of the season, and uh, uh, we'll try to get the word out on that. It's usually in the purple lot, and uh, try and get a lot of Bulldog fans out there, get some free food, talk Bulldogs. Doesn't get any better than that. Oh yeah, and it's it, those things are always fun. I mean, there's always great food and and people uh, to just sit around and talk things through. And of course, Jackson and I will be there, so it's your opportunity to come out and and kind of grill us and pepper us with some questions. <laughs> uh, you know, we always get asked questions, and so if you if you feel like you want to come out and just join us and and, and kind of get a feel uh, and pick our brains, you're more than welcome to come out to the next uh, uh, tailgate. We'll make sure we'll post that somewhere on the boards uh, so that you guys will be able to find it but make sure you head out there next time we'd like to see you out there if you can uh but that being said jackson the overall atmosphere of the rose bowl you know it wasn't quite a sea of red but the bulldog faithful sure made their presence felt didn't they yeah i mean right from the start the bulldogs got off to a good start and (laughs) the red wave was loud and you could tell those UCLA fans weren't too happy about what was going on. And then suddenly Bruins fought back. It was a close game and 
things were even for a few minutes and then <laughs> it was all bulldogs from there and I mean, the best part, uh, in my mind, I, I was down on the field for the second half. You were there for the first half. But what I got to see was uh, the fourth quarter when they had some guy on the UCLA microphone trying to big, get this big <laughs> UCLA chant going across the stadium when most of the fans had already left. And first the red wave starts booing so you can't hear him, and then they start their own Fresno State chant. And if you haven't seen that, I got it posted on my Twitter at Jackson Moore 24-7. And uh, that's gotten a lot of hits based on not only uh, the feelings for Fresno State fans to watch it, but how humorous <laughs> it is. You can hear the, the struggles of the, the UCLA group in the background as Red Wave takes over there. Now it was uh, it, it was funny to watch because it, you know you could tell that the UCLA fan base was just pretty much a little bit of an annoyed by the the whole game in in general. But once the Fresno State fans started getting going, it just it, it kind of magnified the whole situation, uh, especially when the Fresno State fans were out cheering the UCLA fans. At that point, I believe that the Bruin fans just pretty much gave up. They, they didn't want to even deal with it anymore. <laughs> um, but Jackson, the, you know, what a game. Um, the Bulldogs came out and just rolled to a 14, well, 13 to nothing lead right off the bat because I want to miss extra point, but it was it, it, it was like perfectly scripted there for the Bulldogs. They came out in the opening drive and scored, and pretty much from the beginning, almost took the sales out of the UCLA Bruins. I mean, what's your what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, you worried because last week or the week prior to that offense was not clicking it took them four quarters <laughs> pretty much to get going and they picked up right where they left off which was awesome to see uh drove right down the field and scored second drive uh, go up 13-0 early they even had a chance to take an even bigger lead and uh, unfortunately they had to settle for a field goal and that's when things got a little scary there for a while because fresno state had looked like the better team for so much of the first half but ucla managed to get one score they come out in the third quarter and recover a fumbled punt score again and all of a sudden it's a two-point game um and that's tough to swallow when you've been the better team for the majority of the 32 minutes or whatever it was to get there and you're only up by two um but the bulldogs pulled together they were able to fight back from adversity which they weren't able to overcome the week prior so that was good to see them fight through that and they did it quickly. Defense got some turnovers. Jeff Allison with two picks. Offense took advantage. Marcus kept looking in between the line to figure out where those holes were and dove in for four touchdown rushes. So, I mean, the Bulldogs took care of business in the end. Yeah, it, it was uh, it, it was quite uh, a little different than what we were used to. Um, instead of you know scoring through the air, McMarion was scoring with his legs. Um, and it just made it that much more frustrating for the UCLA Bruins, who just could not seem to figure out what the Bulldogs were trying to do. They they kept keying in on the running backs, and there goes McMarion for four rushing touchdowns. <laughs> so it, it seemed to be a very uh, a very potent offense that they figured out. But yeah, there was that one scare where it seemed like the Bulldogs all of a sudden hit a wall and just couldn't move the ball for, for some reason. And... Um, it, it felt like the momentum had shifted over to UCLA. Um, you know, when that was happening, what was going through your mind there, Jackson? Yeah, that was rough because even though Fresno State had kind of lost the momentum at the end of the first half, I didn't quite feel like UCLA necessarily had it. They were still down uh, by nine. Um, I happened to overhear the local radio at the time 
their comment as the UCLA's going into halftime was, well, I guess we can say it got a little better. <laughs> and right before that, UCLA had like a 70-yard punt, and I overheard a fan go, oh, that's the best play we've had all day. And <laughs> you just kind of had this feeling. It was 16-7, to but the Bulldogs were still in control. And then, bam, about four plays later, it felt like they weren't in control anymore at the beginning of the second half. But, yeah, and that was kind of a, a concern. We've seen the offense when things get tight, it doesn't flow as well. Minnesota last week, the week prior, uh, you look at the majority of the the losses, Boise and UNLV last year, where the offense kind of constricted when they needed to to score in the stretch. But uh, they were able to get right back on track and and run away with it. Now it seemed like the the momentum was shifting and and was going back UCLA UCLA's way, especially when they had that muffed punt recovered uh, by the UCLA Bruins, and then eventually drove in and scored the touchdown. At that point, the game was uh, was the closest it's ever been throughout the whole game. Um, that must have really started to kind of light a fire under the Bulldogs because after that it seemed like things started to change again once the Bulldogs were able to come up with some turnovers again. Um, but it seemed like most of the points that UCLA was scoring was off of turnovers that the Bulldogs gave. So this potentially could have been a shutout had the Bulldogs not turned over the ball, right, Jackson? Yeah, I mean, there was about two plays were, were the difference, the fumbled punt, and then UCLA just broke off a long 45-yard touchdown pass where Fresno State just miscommunication, whatever it was, Bruin receiver with Theo Howard was wide open downfield. I mean, really, those two plays were the difference between 14 and zero points. And for the most of the, the majority of the, the game, UCLA seemed to struggle offensively. Uh, freshman quarterback uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson had a lot of errant passes, just not quite on target on the run. And uh, that's kind of a staple in the Chip Kelly offense. You got to spread things out and pass horizontally and they just were not getting things going uh, until kind of that second quarter. They found a little bit of a stride, but again, the points came from those big momentum changing plays for sure. Now on paper, UCLA Bruins should have been the better team, right? <laughs> I mean, that's the way it looks, but it seemed like they probably, if, if anything, got out coached in this game. Um, the players that the that we were kind of concerned about, one of them was local, Kashmir Allen pretty much held in check throughout the whole game. Mm. Uh, and the other one was Bolo. Um, and they didn't really do much in this game, did they, Jackson? No, and uh, some UCLA even reporters were a little, I mean, they were subbing running backs in and out so fast. It's, they, <laughs> they had a big rotation of talented players, but it never seemed like any one of them got into a, a rhythm. Um, you know, I, got a, I had a tweet that got a little bit of attention about uh, the mismatch of this game, UCLA, you know, a lot of people say recruiting stars don't matter, but when the difference is 20, I mean, I, I lined up the 22 starters in this game and UCLA had advantages at 20 out of the 22 <laughs> positions. I mean, it's hard to, to, to deny that UCLA had the better individuals. Um, the argument was made about uh, experience because Fresno State does have a a more upperclassman group in Chip Kelly's year one, but um, the average years of development between the two teams was a difference of uh, 3.7 years, so like 3.1 years. So when you average things out, uh, it wasn't all that much different. Um, quarterback's a big difference between a fifth-year senior and a true freshman, but uh, otherwise, I mean, UCLA had all the, the pieces to get a win. 
they're really figuring things out under Chip Kelly, first year, third game. So they have plenty of excuses why they shouldn't have won. But, uh, I mean, if you're playing a pickup game, more UCLA players are getting picked than Fresno State <laughs> between those two rosters. Oh, man. It, it was it was quite a, a sight to see, especially you could tell that these players were, were excited and, and proud of what they were able to do, uh, especially against a Pac-12 team. Anytime Fresno State faces a Pac-12 team, not only do the players get up for it, but so do the fans. And it seemed like uh, this one was one that they were you know, did bound and determined to not let slip away from them, uh, especially when they had the Bruins on the ropes early in the game. Um, and they, they continue to just move forward and, and be able to kind of put this one away in, in the third quarter, I bet, I believe. Yeah. I think in the third quarter by then they were able to kind of really put it out of reach at that point. Um, but let's talk about, let's talk about McMarion. They kind of switched gears with McMarion on this one, and he was doing a lot of read options, which led to his uh, four touchdown scores. It, you know, is that something that we can expect a lot more of moving on into here into the the season? You know, it could be. He seems to kind of be selective about when he keeps it and when they even run the play. Uh, he didn't keep it too much in Minnesota, and it seemed like UCLA was surprised when he did keep it. There was, I think, two of the touchdowns as four. Uh, he held the read option and that whole side of the field was just wide open. You had 21 out of 22 players all heading the other direction. <laughs> McMarion walked into the end zone. And then I think the other two rushing touchdowns, if I recall correctly, I think you had two and two. Uh, they're basically goal line quarterback sneaks where they even ran it on third and one or fourth and one at another time where it's something that's seems kind of a no-brainer, but I haven't seen it run too much where he snaps the ball kind of looks between the center and the guard, decides if he can lunge for a, a yard or whatever they need, and if it's not there, he goes between the guard and the tackle and just kind of keeps going until he finds that little sliver to get the score or the, the yard he needs. And that's kind of a that's a hard play to stop. A goal line quarterback dive is hard to stop in itself. So um, that was a good executed play, and it looks like one they might go to <laughs> more down the line. Now, it it, it seemed like the, the running game in general – came alive during this game a little bit um even though a couple of those long runs got called back uh what's your overall opinion on on where the offense is right now yeah jordan mims ran right by me i think on two runs and i know one of them got called back and uh, i think there was a tweet with the video where jared rice just pancakes a guy and i think that was the hold they called which is more frustrating to me now that i know that than when i was on the field i didn't see that unfold or or why the holding was called and uh, Mims was pretty excited. Uh, that was a he's flexing in the end zone, and <laughs> oh dang it, penalty! <laughs> but uh, it, it looked better, um, which was encouraging because Fresno State went into that game without Natani Muti. He didn't quite know what the O line was going to do, but uh, McMarion got hit once in the backfield on a fumble, and other than that, he was pretty much secure. Um, running game looked better, and had it not been for a couple penalties, it would have been even better. And Mims in particular has looked very good. Uh, Hokett had a little more trouble breaking for free from those first couple yards. And we didn't see as much as DeJounte O'Neal until the end of the game, but um, it looks a little bit better. You know, it's good, but not great. Um, We'll see when Ronnie gets back into the mix, Ronnie Rivers, if maybe that kind of tips things over the edge for this running game. 
Now, one thing that I've been noticing that's kind of been frustrating for me is the long ball play of the wide receivers is still not there. Um, and it doesn't seem like the Bulldogs are very interested in taking those shots downfield. Uh, they've done it very little in these last three games. What, what do you think's going on there? Are they are they kind of saving that and kind of waiting for the right moment to to kind of take their shots downfield? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, they were, the passing game was a little less horizontal, screen based than we saw in Minnesota, which was nice, but um, weren't a whole ton of deep shots and. They didn't do it a whole lot last year, but when they do, it was so effective because they were a little more selective, wait for the right situation, right lineup with the defense, right coverage. And it seemed like I know Pro Football Focus put out a stat that Marcus McMarion was one of the most accurate deep ball throwers in the nation last year. And it's because they didn't throw quite a whole lot of them because they knew they were going to get the ones that they did. Um, Keyshawn got a couple of catches downfield. The Jameer caught one in midair with the defender draped over him. I remember that. So I've got a picture of that one. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, this was a game more so where they scored on long drives and then they got to a point where it was more about running some clocks, sustaining drives and building a lead rather than looking for the explosive play, I guess. Yeah. So it's, it's something that I know it's, it's, I'm not the only one who's been a little frustrated about it. I I expected a you know a little bit more of a horizontal kind of an offense. You know, just uh, you know, I mean, not horizontal, vertical, <laughs> horizontal. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> but a little bit more vertical, throwing it downfield, uh, taking their shots at it. But it just doesn't seem like that's the plan going in so far. So I'm I'm starting to wonder if maybe they're trying to set someone up later on in the season. So uh, maybe Boise, I don't know. We'll see. Um, but that being said, I mean, so that the offense looked a little more potent this year, this week than they did against Minnesota. How about that defense? That defense really came alive again mm-hmm. and came up big in a few plays. And what's your overall thoughts on that one? Yeah, I mean, the big thing for me was turnovers because that was something – I mean, they had a ton of them against Idaho, but Minnesota, they weren't able to to generate those plays until uh, Tank Kelly forced a fumble, and that's when the Bulldogs really got going. Uh, This is a defense that at times can kind of sit back maybe a little bit conservatively and um, just try not to give up the big play, which is good. You don't want to give up the big plays, but if teams are sustaining drives and running clocks, off, running the clock off, kind of like Minnesota did, uh, it can get to a point where if the offense isn't scoring, you're going to get into trouble eventually, which we saw this game. It was kind of that 16-14 situation where you didn't know what was going to happen, and then boom, Jeff Allison gets the two picks. I mean, those big game-changing plays where – Fresno State gets the momentum and the offense seems to convert more often than not when the defense gets those turnovers. So that was big to see. Uh, and then there's the defense as a whole. They gave up the one big touchdown pass, but other than that, they were pretty sound. Uh, the defensive line continues to do a really good job in the running game. Uh, they only gave up 3.8 yards per carry. Um, so not a whole ton of pass rush again, but um, – it's, they've done a good enough job to where the returning starters seem to be really comfortable with that front defensive line. Now the interceptions are starting to pick up again, uh, and uh, you know it was there was one play that was a free for all, <laughs> two players catching the ball at the same time, and, and they you know there was a post game interview where they were talking about it where 
they were they were talking to each other trying to figure out who was going to take the ball. <laughs> and, and what did you think about that one, Jackson? Yeah, that was odd. I don't. I can't remember seeing that. And another weird thing, I believe both of the interceptions were deflected balls where Jeff Allison was in the right place at the right time, and Mike Bell happened to be in that same place on one of those <laughs> plays. And I remember at Wyoming last year, there's a really good picture by USA Today where uh, someone I can't I can't remember who it was. They just popped the receiver, and Allison's got his hands <laughs> cupped, and the ball's waiting to fall right into him. So uh, he seems to to be in the right place at the right time. And uh, I mean, the whole defense as a whole seems to work well together, but Allison especially <laughs> seems to always be there for the tackle or the interception, whatever it is. I mean, it's a special player for the Bulldogs. Yeah, but that. Four, uh, both of those defensive players had their both of their two hands on the ball, four hands on that one football, <laughs> about a foot up in the air at least. <laughs> that was bizarre, and they had to kind of verbalize who was going to come down with it. And it seemed like that play kind of took forever because it seemed like they were together. It, it, I mean, they had it felt like they had five minutes talking to each other, trying to figure out who was going to take that ball and, and move with it, and, and then all of a sudden one Allison comes out with it and starts going down the field. <laughs> it was just, it was funny to watch um, those two kind of, kind of go at it, um, you know, instantaneously. They were able to kind of figure that one out. Although we did uh, in our post game interview, we did find out that the, uh, who was the other player? Mike Bell. Yeah. He said um, that was the last time that was going to happen. <laughs> the next one is his. So <laughs> we'll have to kind of see what <laughs> what happens there. If that opportunity comes up again. Um, but you know, this game um, was able to bring in a lot of recruits to this game. Not only were they there for, for UCLA, but some of them were actually there to see the Bulldogs play and kind of get a feel for that. And Jackson, I know you were able to kind of get some uh, some of those recruit reactions. What are some of those that uh, you were able to come across? Yeah, um, you mentioned kind of a, a different situation. I know the home team can host recruits and let them down on the sideline and stuff, but you don't necessarily see a lot of visiting recruits at games. And that was the case in this one. Uh, Jaden Casey, the quarterback from Calabasas, who I saw on Friday before the game, was there sitting with the red wave. <laughs> he was taking that in. Um, his teammate, Johnny Wilson, a five-star recruit, was also there. Uh, Kendall Milton and Jalen Cropper, two of the big-time recruits in the Valley, both made the trip down there and to see both what UCLA has to offer and what the Bulldogs were going to do against them. Um, I mean, there's Fresno State has a few. They only have six commits right now, but uh, four of them, I think, are from Southern California. So I know uh, I've got some details on the premium board who was able to make it out and what their impressions were of that. Uh, I mean, all of them. They were excited. The commits and the local guys were excited to see what the Red Wave did and uh, kind of you know, put that chip on their shoulder that Fresno State brings to those kinds of games. And um, local guys were proud to see, or the local as in L.A. guys were proud to see their future school come to town and knock off the, the school that didn't recruit them, perhaps. So, uh, and then a couple of recruits, so my, probably my favorite quotes were the ones that weren't surprised. They they were <laughs> expected Fresno State to win, and they did it. Um, one recruit told me, you can't teach hard-nosed football, <laughs> so, meaning Fresno State was going to come in and smack him in the mouth in his mind, and that's kind of what happened. So uh, some different perspectives, but all really good for Fresno State to, to show off in front of those types of recruits and possibly make an impact down the road. 
Now, you got a chance to go uh, the night before. You went to Calabasas High to go watch the game there. Uh, one of those recruits uh, that that uh, you were looking at, that's the quarterback from uh, from Calabasas. And you were able to kind of catch up with him over that that game um, at the high school game. What what's your sense? What's your feel? What, you know, what did he have to say about what the what the whole situation was going? Yeah, I got to see him. He's a junior in high school, but he's already committed to Fresno State. So uh, he's got another year of high school to go, of course, before he becomes a bulldog. But got to see where he's at. Impressive player. I mean, backs up the recruiting rankings on him. He's got three stars and all, several Power Five offers. Um, may have grown into a four star guy before his senior year had he not committed and. Part of that is he's surrounded by studs on <laughs> that team. They've got, as I mentioned, five-star receiver Johnny Wilson, who may I mean, he's seriously considering Fresno State, partially due to his quarterback wanting to go there. Um, Micah Pittman, who is Michael Pittman, Fresno State running back son, uh, is headed to Oregon. Uh, they've got another five-star receiver, four or five, that's transferred in from the southeast. So, I mean, he's got a lot of weapons to work with. And <laughs> the interesting thing was they run basically a pro-style offense and. Casey's not going to put up huge numbers, but he, um, when they need to, <laughs> you can see the talent difference. And uh, I've got a lot more on that. Photos, highlights, interviews, that's going to go up on the premium board at barkboard.com. Uh, but I will say Casey is about as excited as I've ever seen a Fresno State commit to be a Bulldog. And the cool thing is, kind of his main sentiment is he just wants to be coached by Jeff Tedford. And he knows... Even if he comes in and doesn't start right away, his game is going to flourish by Tedford's mentorship and Coach Kalen DeBoer, and uh, he's just excited uh, about everything that Fresno State has to offer. He's head over heels for Fresno State, which is pretty cool, and probably a lot of fans concerned if the Bulldogs can hang on to him for a whole year. But uh, yeah, uh, I mean, if his interview and uh, conversations with me are any indication, I, I don't think the Bulldogs are going to lose this one. Now, do you think that uh, being coached by Tedford, that has anything to do with Tedford's relationship and and being able to do what what he did with Aaron Rodgers, uh, who elevated him to the next level and getting him to the NFL? Do you think that kind of plays into his decision? Hey, if he can do that with Aaron Rodgers, maybe he can do that with me. Yeah, it's the whole resume. Aaron Rodgers, um, I mean, even back to Trent Dilfer. Uh, Akil Smith at Oregon. I mean, he's Tedford's got a lot of examples of what he's done with quarterbacks, and uh, Jaden Casey has seen that. Uh, he may not be old enough to have seen some of those guys play, but he's old <laughs> enough to see Aaron Rodgers, of course. But uh, he knows what Fresno State brings with Coach Tedford there, and uh, that was pr- probably the main selling point for him. Now, it, it also could help that Fresno State over the years has been tabbed as quarterback you. Oh, yeah. uh, you've had a number of quarterbacks, Derek Carr, Trent Dilfer, uh, David Carr. Um, t- who was some of the other players? I mean, you you know some probably <laughs> that one that played for your favorite team. Uh, and he was oh, Billy Volick. There you go, Billy <laughs> yeah. Volick. I mean, Man, that guy, he only started a few pro games, but he tore it up when he was in there. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been tabbed as quarterback you. So anybody that comes out of Fresno State, they, they usually look at him a couple of times because of the, the potential that the Bulldogs have had at quarterback position over the last, I don't know, 20, 30 years. Um, and so... It is a big draw for quarterbacks to come here. Um, whether or not we're going to land those five-star quarterbacks, you know, probably not. 
Um, but for some reason, we're able to turn those two stars into NFL type uh, a player. So, you know, why not consider the Bulldogs? So things things uh, are looking up. Maybe the Bulldogs. I, I'm I'm one of those. I really hope they're able to hold on to him uh, for the next couple of years. Uh, and but if they are, they're going to have a very good one uh, come in 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 2020. So uh, we'll have to we'll we'll keep monitoring the situation as we always do at thebarkboard.com. Uh, but make sure you head over there, and if you're not a premium subscriber, now's your chance because we're going to have some good information coming up on some of these players. Um, but this week, by week, of course, for uh, for Fresno State, D- Jackson. Do you think it comes at a right time right now for the Bulldogs? Uh, especially, you know, is there any injuries that they're going to have to look after? Um, you know, talking to the players, they're still they're still kind of riding high on the UCLA win, and uh, that's great and all. But you kind of it's kind of a relief. Maybe they don't have a game on Saturday where they're still thinking about that win at the Rose Bowl. They're going to have a whole week to let it settle in recover and get back to business um a few bumps and bruises i mean for most of the players going to minnesota and ucla they're they're a little bit sore um not a whole lot of major injuries though i know marcus mcmarion took a rough shot i don't know if shot's the right word but he (laughs) he about landed on his back which i can't believe wasn't a penalty um he looked a little ginger yeah and he even ran in a touchdown in after that, which was <laughs> impressive. But it's probably nice that Marcus has a week to recover. Um, I mean, Micaiah Quick, we thought may have been able to appear last weekend. He did not play, so this gives him some more time to recover. It gives time for Ronnie Rivers to try to get healthy, which could be maybe we see him against Toledo. Maybe it takes another week or two, but um sounds like he's getting close, so... I think for a variety of reasons, the team's kind of relieved. This is the bye week here. Um, I think when you look at the schedule at the beginning of the year, you'd rather have it towards the middle or end when the grind is is tougher. But, uh, I mean, they're all pretty pleased that it's currently (laughs) it is where it is. Now, I mean, it is it's probably the best time right now. Like you said, the the Bulldogs are, are still thinking about that win. So if they go into the next game thinking about that win, they're going to overlook Toledo. So it might be a good idea to kind of it was it was it came at the right time because you're able to kind of get these players healthy. The key ones, Rivers and uh, uh, Quick, uh, I know those two are going to add a lot once they come back. And if they're able to get full full steam ahead for that Toledo game. Uh, the sky's the limit for the Bulldogs as far as offensively. Um, but it is, it, it, I believe it does come at a good time in the season right now to kind of help the Bulldogs lick their wounds a little bit and kind of get prepared for the for the conference opener uh, that they're going to have when they travel to Reno, Nevada. Um, and so that's going to be, it's, it's a good thing for the Bulldogs. Now, in two weeks, it is Toledo, and from what I uh, have heard, that game's going to be televised on ESPNU. Uh, so that is more national exposure. And in fact, as I was going over the schedule, it looks like almost every single game now is going to be national nationally televised, uh, Jackson. So what uh, you know, what kind of uh, what does that mean for the Bulldogs? Does it mean they're back on the map again? Yeah. Um- I think that's why ESPN kind of jumped on the schedule so early. Uh, there was a chance Fresno State was going to make a real big run, and even with the Minnesota loss, you can sell a lot of those games to viewers. Um, it does mean kind of a 
uh, wait and see for fans when some of those kickoffs are going to be. As ESPN, they have the liberty of waiting. I think it's ten days till game time. Uh, what time they want to run it and what channel they want to run it, and some of those could even be bumped to internet if there's not a whole lot of hype. So there is that angle. But um, as of right now, they they saw a value in Fresno State Toledo. It's on ESPNU. It's a seven thirty kickoff, so it's going to be a late night. Um, the next four games, I think, are all to be announced by ESPN. So uh, it is a little tough to make plans. You got to kind of wait and see, but they try to give you enough time to do so. Um, and then the Bulldogs will have two games on CBS Sportsnet uh, in November. So uh, there is potential that every game the rest of the way is on national TV. The last two were on FS1. Uh, the first game was the only one that wasn't claimed, and it ended up on Facebook. So <laughs> a lot of opportunities to see the Bulldogs this year. I think they were only on TV maybe two times last year. So yeah. big difference uh, when the Bulldogs start winning. Yeah, and it, it, I mean, and they had a you know a, an impressive season last year, and they still weren't on TV much. Now this year, it seems like every single game is going to be televised, which is good and bad. I mean, good that the Bulldogs are getting that exposure. Bad if you're going to the stadium because the games feel like they get slowed down quite a bit, <laughs> especially for us when every five seconds there seems to be like a TV timeout for some reason. Uh, but uh, that, you know, it is what it is. Uh, you, you can't get one without the other. Uh, so you want the exposure, you're going to have to play by the the television rules that they, they set out there. Um, but I don't, I don't know, Jackson, uh, do you, what what's your what's your thought after seeing these first three games, uh, the Bulldogs' chances of rolling through the conference? Yeah, for me, it's it almost feels like a reset because we had a certain expectation coming into the season. Uh, they've met it. They well, you can't take a whole lot from Idaho, but you can't get much better than seventy nine thirteen. Uh, team didn't quite meet expectations in week two against Minnesota. It was disappointing, mostly on offense, but. I mean, you couldn't imagine going into UCLA the week after and just rolling the Bruins the way they did. That line on that game was only a point or a couple points. So a very impressive performance at the Rose Bowl. And it just kind of feels like after the disappointment of the Minnesota game, we're kind of right back where we were, where now that disappointing Minnesota game is more like they were one play away from <laughs> potentially tying or winning that game. And and uh, now the Bulldogs have kind of met, validated what we thought all over the offseason with this win at UCLA. And more so than anything, it's the schedule. It sets up really nicely. Uh, there's going to be teams that can beat Fresno State, but I don't see the Bulldogs being an underdog until they go to Boise, which is November. I mean, we're talking six games or so here, I think it is, where Fresno State should be favored in each of them, and they've got a real good chance to get a run going here get back in that national discussion and see what happens when they go to Boise. Now, the toughest games that the Bulldogs are going to have uh, in conference, do you still think that, that it's going to be uh, Boise and San Diego, or is there somebody else that's kind of thrown into the mix now? Yeah, San Diego State has been all over the board. They almost, I mean, they were one play away from losing to Sacramento State. <laughs> then they beat Arizona State. <laughs> it's been a bizarre series, and all of a sudden, I mean, if they can beat Arizona State, which is not the greatest of upsets, but it's still, I mean, it shows the Aztecs are viable, and they're going to challenge for the conference. Fortunately, Fresno State gets that one at home, so I still like the Bulldogs' odds in that one, but 
uh, we'll see what that Aztec team looks like in November because they'll probably swing back and forth a couple more times before then at this rate. Uh, but for me, biggest surprise, of course, is Hawaii. Uh, even though they lost last week at Army, you got to credit uh, Hawaii for going across the country, playing at 6 a.m. local time <laughs> kickoff, and they only had the ball for 20 minutes. They still put up 21 points, and they were one play away, just like Fresno State was from tying, like Fresno State was in Minnesota. Hawaii had the ball in Army territory, one chance to score, couldn't convert. Um, so I'm still really impressed by Hawaii. I think the Bulldogs are fortunate, though. Their strength is kind of Hawaii's strength, where the Rainbow Warriors are passing the ball like they used to in the old days. The Bulldogs have a great group of defensive backs and linebackers even that are going to be able to defend that. So um, I would be more worried if this was a defense of Fresno State old that would give up a lot of points and especially the big plays. And uh, So I think, think the Bulldogs still match up there. Well, Toledo is not to be slept on. I don't think they're as good as the Bulldogs, but they can challenge. They can score in spurts. Uh, Nevada has a pretty potent offense, but I don't see that being a tough one. Uh, Wyoming's defense last year proved to be tough. So there's going to be some interesting games and storylines and a lot of opportunities for Fresno State to stub their toe. But in the greater scheme of things, uh, they should come away with wins consecutively for the next few weeks. Now, uh, Fresno State, you know, uh up against Hawaii notoriously always seem to struggle when it's here in Bulldog Stadium for some reason. I have no idea why and vice versa when they go to Hawaii. But it's kind of uh, it's kind of an interesting kind of a a matchup, especially with the Hawaii uh, Warriors back into their old ways of scoring and scoring often. Um, It's going to be it's going to be probably the biggest test for the Bulldogs defensively. Uh, I think might be Hawaii, um, even though you know they're still Boise State and still uh, San Diego State. It doesn't seem like their offense is as potent as Hawaii is at the moment. Um, although that things could change from now until then. Um, Amazing stat on Hawaii. Uh, I mean, they've had some explosive offenses and record-breaking quarterbacks. Uh, Colt McCoy, or not Colt McCoy, Colt Brennan and Timmy Chang are still in the top of the all-time career passers from working under June Jones. And their first-year starting quarterback, he's a sophomore now, but this is his first year playing, uh, Cole McDonald, has out played any of those quarterbacks through four games he's got more yards and more touchdowns and he hasn't thrown a single pick than any of those other quarterbacks had in four games so uh i mean you gotta watch out for hawaii and there's a a few mountain west defenses that he'll probably rack up some more stats (laughs) before he (laughs) he makes his way to bulldog stadium so uh, i mean it's exciting to watch for every week except (laughs) when they play fresno state well maybe (laughs) maybe maybe his confidence will be a little too high by the time he comes to bulldog (laughs) stadium um, and and the Bulldogs will just have to bring them down to earth a little bit. But we'll have to see what happens there. Uh, but, you know, San Diego State, like I said, like you said, that one's pretty much an aberration at the moment. We don't know which team you're going to face. Um, and then, of course, you know, you've got the likes of like San Jose State right now who already lost to UC Davis and who are also going to be coming to Bulldog Stadium. Um, but they always seem to be a thorn in Fresno State's side for some reason. Um, can someone come out and kind of catch the Bulldogs off guard? 
you know, the I think each of the teams, more well, not every team, but <laughs> some of the teams Fresno State faces, they have threats, and Fresno State's going to acknowledge that and respect it. Um, they seem to game plan really well from week to week. Um, you know, I, I think really the recipe to beat Fresno State has been shown by Minnesota and UNLV and Boise. They're all kind of similar game plans. You have to be very ball secure. You've got to control clock. You've got to have long drives and play sound defense. And I don't know if I see one of those teams. Uh, Wyoming has some of those elements, but their offense is just not very potent. Um Hawaii is that's not the recipe. <laughs> they're they're going to be a, a more flashy style, and we'll see. We have Bulldogs haven't seen too many teams like that. Um, uh, really, the one, the two games I see where Fresno State is just going to roll over in my mind are at New Mexico and versus San Jose State. Uh, the challenges are the big challenges are Boise State, Hawaii, and San Diego State, and then you've got a group of teams in between that the Bulldogs should win. Uh, Nevada, Wyoming, Toledo, UNLV. Those are all games that will present challenges, but uh, Fresno State should win those ones. Now, UNLV, the one that has seemed to have the Bulldogs number the last couple of years, you know, are the Bulldogs going to let that happen for a third time? <laughs> uh, I don't think so. Um, still waiting to see a little more from UNLV. They've, they were outmatched at USC, and then they've had two real easy games, so... Waiting to see them, what they look like against more light competition. Uh, they're not a team that throws the ball very well. Uh, they're more of a running attack. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to replicate the kind of dual threat that they had last year. Not the quarterback that can run and pass, but they were just so balanced and they were getting just nickeling and diming their way down the field. Uh, they were without starting quarterback Armani Rogers in that game, who is going to play and uh, I think that matches up a little bit better for Fresno State. So I like that matchup a lot better this year than it was last year. Uh, I, I certainly hope so because I'm going to be making that trip, so I don't want to come home uh, you know, <laughs> depressed on that one. Uh, but uh, that being said, I think, Jackson, we're going to go ahead and start kind of wrapping things up. Uh, it's a shorter podcast than we did last week, but you know we're not going to be breaking down uh, Toledo very much today, so we're gonna we're gonna save that for next week um, as the Bulldogs get ready to take on Toledo. Um, th- what is it? The Toledo Rockets? Mm-hmm. It just seems weird. The Toledo Rockets. <laughs> okay, uh, but uh, you know, Jackson, do you have anything else uh, that you want to talk about coming through the pipelines here? Yes, yeah, uh, I mean a lot of stories, content, interview coming through. Um, whether it's the free side, uh, working on a few features, and on the premium side, we'll, we'll have some insider information, talking to recruits. This is a good time in the bye week. To, you don't have to focus as much on game week. We can catch up with some of those recruits and see where they're at, talk to some new ones that Fresno State has been on for a while. Um, as far as uh, the free side goes, uh, we talked to the players, several of them today, about their experience against UCLA and kind of get those reactions as well as uh, – feature I'm working on about the redshirt freshman. That's kind of one angle that I don't think has been covered a whole lot from last year's turnaround season. You had a bunch of players that committed to Fresno State blindly, not knowing what was going to happen after that 1-11 year. Uh, players that were uh, kind of questioned by family, friends, acquaintances, why would they pick the school that just went 1-11? And uh, they're already proven people wrong. They're feeling a lot better about their decision. So... I'm um, going to have a feature on that. 
And, uh, yeah, just a lot of insider interviews from the team. If uh, you want to hear from the players themselves, and a lot of the players we interview are the ones you won't see interviewed anywhere else, the, the up-and-comers, the, the players that maybe get overlooked a little bit. We'll have full in-depth interviews with them that you can see on the premium board as well. Yeah, so that's going to be, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to try to do what we can during this uh, off week and, and, and finding some more uh, stuff to, to kind of get up on the boards here. But always check back because uh, there's always something new that we're working on. Uh, but if you'd like to reach uh, us, if you'd like to reach us, you can do so. You can find Jackson on Twitter at uh, Jackson Moore twenty four seven. You can also find him on, uh, at the boards. Just look for Jackson Moore, and you can always send us a, a, a private message there. You can find me on Twitter at Red Wave Report. Uh, you can also find me on the boards as well. Now, don't forget to head over to our Facebook page, the Barkboard.com's Facebook page, and like that because we tend to post everything new that happens with the with the website gets posted there. So you'll you'll get uh, an instant alert as soon as a new story goes up or any type of information that we want to share. Uh, people follow there. You know, there, we've got a big community already that talk to one another on those uh, Facebook page and. You know, we're trying to reach 4,000 likes and we're getting close. We're getting there. But, uh, you know, if you haven't done so already, head over to the, the Facebook page and give us a like uh, and, and, you know, find out what we've got going on there. With that being said, I want to thank everyone for tuning in and join us again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.